Growing a small business has never been easy. So, how can we build our companies and shortcut the learning curve? By getting advice from the people who've done it before. Everything you need to grow your business is right here. I'm Simon Lader. Welcome to the conference room. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm joined by Tiffany Taylor. Tiffany went from sleeping on a friend's yoga mat as a teenager to being a world-renowned life and business coach. Her goal by 2025 is to empower 10 million people to reclaim their personal power, reach their goals, and build their dream life through her coaching programs and services. Tiffany, good afternoon. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Welcome to the conference room. So sleeping on a friend's yoga mat to being a world-renowned life and business coach, how on earth, first of all, how on earth does somebody end up sleeping on a friend's yoga mat? And then how did you get from, I mean, people talk about humble beginnings. I mean, they don't get much more humble than that. And so I'm just fascinated by your backstory. So tell me, how did you get to the yoga mat? And then how did you get from the yoga mat to where we are now? It sounds so much crazier when someone else repeats it back to me. It just sounds normal when I say it. <laughs> uh, well, where I made this crazy goal when I was 19 to travel to 20 countries before turning 20, which I achieved, but I had, I think, $500 left by the time I was done with that trip. And I moved to Miami of all places. Miami is not known as a good place to find jobs if you haven't been. It's more of a place for entrepreneurs or hospitality jobs. And uh, $10 an hour is the most I was able to make at that point. So I got to a point where I just couldn't afford to have my own place. And I was staying with one friend who had a family situation. I couldn't stay there anymore. And I was like, what do I do? Another friend offered to let me stay, but the couch was taken because he was renting the couch out. So he rented me the floor space, meaning I actually paid rent for the floor space where I slept on my yoga mat. And did that for maybe almost two months. From there, it is actually a cool story because this is how I met my first life coach. I found a Facebook event. This was around the beginning of the year. So I found a Facebook event hosted by a life coach at a local spa. And she was giving away free spa passes if you go to this event. I was like, I'll go to this event. <laughs> I didn't know I don't what a care life about coach the life coaching. I just want a spa pass. <laughs> exactly. I didn't know what a life coach was. I mean, the event sounded nice. Vision boards, journaling. Okay, I can do that. So that'd probably be good for me considering my situation, but I was really in it for the spa pass. <laughs> but within that hour and a half workshop, I mean, she really shifted the way I looked at the whole world around me, the way I was looking at my life. And because of all the notes I took during that and, and just looking at the diagram I drew in that workshop, I was able to use that to change my mindset throughout the next year. And I really did some put some deep work in. And within a year of that, I had this amazing job that I loved so much. I was managing a coffee company. And I mean, I just had the whole thing. I was living in this beautiful high-rise building in Miami Beach. I had this amazing job that I loved every day. I loved my coworkers. I mean, I just had really what I thought was my dream life. 
And it's funny how that goes because in high school, you know, you want to go to college and college, you want to get the job. Then you get the job and you realize, oh no, maybe this isn't what's going to make me feel fulfilled. Maybe I'm not actually driven by money. Like I thought I was, maybe I was just in need before. So at that point you have to make a decision what you're going to do about it. The best time to take risks is always now today. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to build my dream. I want to help people. I want to be that coach. Coaching comes very naturally and intuitive to me. I've always been that coach for my friends and people I've been networking with. So now it's just a matter of adding the skill and the business mindset behind it. So that took a little bit more time to build up, but here I am. Good for you. I want to rewind just a little bit because for me, it's like you were living on your friend's yoga mat and you go to get a spa pass, effectively, let's be honest, right? And just from that interaction, it put into sequence a chain of events that completely changed your life forever, okay? What, if you can remember, what were the key takeaways that you took from that session? I don't know, I'm sure they stick out because if it it was that much of a kind of a pivotal moment in your life, what would you say were the key takeaways that turned the couch surfing Tiffany to being on the road to the high-rise condo, managing the coffee company? I think the biggest takeaway was I was always in survival mode in my life without really realizing it. I had my first job at 15. I was working the maximum hours allowed by law. 16, no maximum hours. So I'm just working overtime quite a lot. I was in college from age 16. So I was doing a lot of studying work as well. I was always just completely packed and busy. I never gave myself time for a social life. I paid attention to fitness, but definitely not health. I wasn't even sleeping. I think I was chronically sleep deprived for maybe 10 years. (laughs) So I think the biggest takeaway is not to just look at my life at what's in front of me, but to kind of zoom out, take a bird's eye view and look at a true balance of what are the different areas of my life and how am I performing in each of those? How am I showing up in each of those? Which of those are making me unhappy right now? Because I never looked at, I never had a holistic view of my life before that. I was always very productive and I was focused, okay, money, okay, I need to be healthy, okay, I I should be on my way on a good path going somewhere, but I wasn't really present in the moment. And I didn't even know what that meant to be present. So I think those are the main takeaways from that meeting. Right. Okay. And when you talk about being present in the moment, what does that mean to you? To me, it's enjoying the journey. It's so important to have goals. I think a big part of happiness comes from progressing towards a goal. And it's interesting that as humans, we get more satisfied from progressing towards a goal than actually reaching one. It's fascinating to me. So it's being present is enjoying that journey. Uh, Before that, I was always, okay, have to graduate high school. Rush, 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 rush. Okay, did it. Next. Have to go to college. Didn't enjoy it. I just took the maximum amount of classes and did the bare minimum because I was also working six part-time jobs. So I never really enjoyed any of these processes. Okay, have to lose weight. I'm going to work out as much as I possibly can and starve myself. Not enjoying the journey. Did it work? Absolutely not. you say that because a lot of entrepreneurs and people that are growing businesses for them it's very much about being goal-oriented and people talk about and most of the books that you know uh, are on your shelf or mine will be talking about the importance of goal setting okay and I don't know whether this was something that either you experienced before this or you kind of talked to about with your clients but I can certainly say from my perspective very often the attainment of goals is quite anticlimactic. It's almost like I'm so fixed on climbing the mountain. When I get to the top, it's like, okay, well, where's the next mountain? You know, forgive the extended metaphor. I don't stop and enjoy the view. It's like 
right, I've climbed the mountain. All I was doing was focusing on climbing the mountain. I've now climbed it. What's next? And it almost becomes the, the pursuit is more important than attaining the goal, which I guess can even be counterproductive because it means that you don't really want to get the goal because you've become so comfortable in pursuit mode. Is that something that you find affects your clients? And, and maybe that was something that you, you were experiencing beforehand? Um, it's definitely something I've experienced beforehand, but I think it's incredibly important that everyone has a personal strategy for goal setting. Goal setting is not should not be cookie cutter, applies to everyone. And it's really easy to go online, how to write goals, right? And you're going to come up with SMART goals or any other acronym, which is great. It's a good foundation to start with. But like with anything, it needs you need to have a personal strategy that works for you. For me, I set goals in my habits. I focus way more on that. And the question I like to ask is, if this was not my goal, would I still reach it based on what I do every day? Wow, that's really cool. Let's let's carry on with the story. This, I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm excited for part two. So, so you're now running this coffee company, okay? And then you have, I'm guessing, some kind of epiphany when you think it, where you feel this isn't necessarily making me happy. So, first of all, how did you come to that realization, and how did you how did you deal with that, and what happened then? I faced burnout at a very young age. I took on way too much, way more than I was able to handle. I was taking work home with me. I would wake up because of the different time zones the company I was working with was in Europe. So because of the time zones, if something had to get done and I needed to have a meeting and they weren't available in my time zone, I'd wake up at five or 6 a.m. and have a meeting from my home to meet with my colleagues to just make sure things were getting done. So now my work day is being extended a few hours in another direction. I didn't make time again because I wasn't used to it. Wasn't making time for friends, family, wasn't making time for just my own health. Stopped drinking as much water as I used to, stopped working out. By the time I actually took my vacation, so I took it after more than a year when I started, I was actually in the emergency room the day after I started. My whole body had just like shut down completely. And I was in a lot of pain. I was like, this isn't, I go home two days later, I'm in the emergency room again, even worse pain. And the doctor basically said that it was stress induced. And that was a big eye opener for me because I hear about, you hear about those things. You don't think that that's going to happen to you at age 22. And I bet you were probably thinking stressed. I'm enjoying my my job. I'm loving my life. I'm not stressed. You must be talking about, you know, the person in the next corridor along is not me. Yeah. I, I mean, I did feel it a little bit. I didn't think, I didn't realize how bad it was until I was in the emergency room. Right. That's where I was like, okay, my, my mind, I'm not looking after myself enough. My body's stepping in. Right. It's giving me a big signal here. And yeah, I realized at that point, I really had to make a decision. And at that point, is when I met my second life coach, actually. <laughs> and I did not know how to share my story. That was one of my biggest challenges. And he really saw the potential in me. And he really, his name is David Gandell. And he started working with me on sharing my story and sharing my past, sharing what happened in my childhood and what trauma does to a person and how you can really shine through that. So it was through about seven hours with him really intensely working on how do I share my story that I will realize, okay, I can do this. Maybe my story has the potential to inspire many, many people. And what he was doing for me, I want to do for other people. Learning, you know, how to talk about your life, learning how to share it in a way that you provide value to someone else. Right. So how did you then decide? Because we both know that there are a lot of self-proclaimed life coaches and self-proclaimed gurus who have very little life experience, genuine life experience, have very, very little expertise. But because unfortunately, there is 
almost zero barrier to entry. Anybody can decide to hide a shingle to, to hang a shingle on their door and call themselves a life coach, right? Yep. How did you gain the expertise to take what's clearly a very inspirational backstory and turn that into something that could genuinely help rather than just inspiring people of, well, look where she is from where she came from. So if she could do it, I've got no excuse type of thing to actually giving people genuine tools and genuine methodologies that help them. So how did, how did you get to that point? That's where I started studying NLP, neurolinguistic programming, which is fascinating. So that's kind of aligning your language with your brain and learning how to talk to your subconscious mind. Uh, that's the base a lot of people will use for life coaching. I know other people will use different certifications, but you know, it's kind of tricky with, with life coaching as well. If you're not in that industry, you're used to something like certifications and universities and everything. Mm. But even those are not really accredited. There's not really a big body that's, yes, you have to use them. So even that, even if there are certifications, you know, is it really a certification? Are they really certified? There's not really a point where you can say that. I mean, after, I don't know how many thousands of hours you can get, you know, ultimate certifications. I would trust those. But it's not really about that. I think more than anything, with a coach, if you're looking to hire a coach, is you want to see, I wouldn't say just buy a package out of nowhere, because you also don't want a coach that's going to work with just anyone. I certainly wouldn't. You want to have that first call. And if you don't see a result on that first call, if you're not getting a breakthrough on that first call, I would say don't work with that person. But it's, yeah, I, I would say you work with an NLP coach, because the subconscious mind is going to help you reach whatever your goal is. And definitely have a call with the person first. NLPs have have a very interesting kind of reputation. Some people think it's great. Some people think it's emperor's new clothes. Okay, um, perfectly honest. I'm a little bit on the fence. All right. I think the NLP, when it's practiced by genuine practitioners, and I've got a very very close friend uh, in the UK who's uh, an NLP practitioner. It's it's it can be extremely powerful. I mean, I've had NLP. I don't want to say done to me, but you know what I mean, right? But I've, I've benefited from the expertise of some very good NLP people in curing certain self-destructing behaviors that I that I had. And in particular, I was terrified of spiders. I had the most horrendous arachnophobia. And NLP came pretty close to curing me for it, from it, right? That being said, when NLP is in the hands of people that don't really know what they're doing, it is, how can I put it politely? It's highly ineffective. So how do you use NLP in your coaching to get the best out of people, what do you find it being most useful for you and for your clients? I think I use it best as a motivation strategy. So yeah. clients to me generally are feeling either overwhelmed or they're feeling demotivated or they're ambitious and they know they have goals, but for some reason they just can't get themselves to do the work and they'll schedule time for themselves, but now they're procrastinating or they'll do something else to get in the way to make sure they're not getting done what they need to get done. And this is where a motivation strategy comes in. And I, it happens just about every time with every client. Okay. For example, why, why are you trying to lose weight? What's your motivation? I want to be a leader for other people. I want other people to be healthy too. I'm placing this bet against someone else or, Oh, I, I just want to lose it. So I don't have to think about it. And the thing with those strategies is your subconscious mind's going to hear that and say, Oh, I'm doing it for someone else. Okay. I want to be a leader. Okay. That's so far in the future. It's not really enough to pull you. And you have no nothing pushing you. So what one of the NLP strategies I really like is just really zoning in on that fear. What is your push motivation? What do you not want? Really have a vision for what it's going to look like if you don't lose that weight. 
what is it going to look like if you're not healthy, both now and in the future? If you just focus in the future, you're not going to have that immediate action that you need to take. So right now, I don't like waking up feeling tired. I don't like going to a restaurant and ordering the least healthy thing on the menu and everyone else around me is eating healthy. You have to focus on those little things and especially with the emotions. And then from there, getting to a point where you're really not feeling good. You're like, okay, I don't like this image. Let's get out of it. When you're at that point, I'll bring it to you. Okay, what does it look like if you are healthy? And you have to make that an enticing, like a compelling image that's right here in the present. When you close your eyes and you look at that image, you should see it in bright colors. You should be in first person. You should be right there in the moment, feeling what it's like to be in that healthy zone. And right now, not in the future. And once you have those two images, your subconscious mind pretty much has an idea now. Okay, which one's actually best for me? So, so in that regard, when we talk from from more of a, a kind of a business perspective, how do you feel, or maybe from some of the clients that you've worked with, those tools can be used to really break through somebody who is perhaps either struggling in business or struggling to to, to scale, or they're feeling overwhelmed. You know, a lot of, as you know yourself, a lot of small business owners just find that there's just so much to do and they're being pulled in so many different directions. Okay, so how would you use these kind of techniques? to guide somebody through those sorts of challenges. So I wouldn't just use NLP for that. I think a lot of overwhelm comes from mindset. So just having someone to bounce ideas off of and just, I think a lot of times language changes when someone's overwhelmed. What's wrong? Everything's wrong. Of course, not everything's wrong. But what specifically is going wrong? <laughs> what specific areas of your life are you struggling with? And you find out from everything, it's actually, okay, maybe this much. Okay, great. Let's expand on that. What else is going wrong? Okay, what's going right? And then just giving perspective from there. NLP has, is very niche and it's great for certain things. But when it comes to a full-on transformation, which for me is 12 weeks that I work with my clients, 12 or 24 weeks, NLP is good for certain aspects. It's a great toolbox, but it's definitely not for everything. And I wouldn't use it you know, in every session to go through a full transformation. Right, okay. And so what kind of key advice would you give to for example, if let's say you've got a, a client who is, again, perhaps feeling overwhelmed or has imposter syndrome, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of trying to step out and, 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 and strike out and do something different, or, you know, they've been asked to kind of lead the sales of, a, of something or, or, or whatever, right? And they're just feeling, you know, this is too big a challenge for me. They can do it, but they're just kind of feeling really kind of lacking in confidence or they're feeling that, they have they're, they're they're an imposter or there's just too much to do. Well, what sort of key kind of takeaways could that person look towards having when they engage with you? Overwhelm is generally not what we think it is. Overwhelm has the power to really cloud the mind, cloud the judgment, and cloud your idea, any idea of what you're supposed to be doing at that moment. It usually comes from a place of fear. And it's generally not the first thing the person says, from what I've noticed. So if you're feeling overwhelmed and you're telling someone you're overwhelmed for a reason. I would challenge you to look a little bit deeper. And if you're not able to schedule a call with a coach, I would say, take notes and start journaling. I'm overwhelmed because, and then start writing it on bullet points. I'm also overwhelmed because this, if things go terribly wrong, this is the worst thing that will happen. And really write out that vision. I'm not just saying, you know, bullet points, really draw out and be descriptive with what's the worst possible case scenario with whatever situation you're in. And then from there, write out the best case scenario. And when it comes to actually acting, and these are just small tips. Again, they can't necessarily apply to everyone, right. um, but these I would give not with not knowing any details or situation. I would ask yourself when you're about to make an action, are you, are you acting in faith or are you acting in fear? 
for example, all of my clients are learning how to make videos right now. They're, they all have their own businesses and videos get a lot more engagement in social media. And there's a huge confidence block when it comes to putting videos out on social media. And one tip I just gave one of my clients yesterday was I want you to watch other entrepreneur videos, find three that you really like, and I want you to write down everything you enjoy watching with their videos. If you think that video is perfect, nothing's perfect. But if you think it's perfect and like the kind of video you want to make, I want you to write everything down about why you like it. Do they smile a lot? Are they looking directly at the camera? What kind of outfit are they wearing? What does the background look like? What what is their tone like? What is their pitch like? Okay, because that's what confidence looks like. And that's what you're attracted to. So now you have to decide what does confidence look like on you? And you're going to wear it like an outfit. Maybe you're not feeling confident, but you're going to act it. The thing is with confidence is confidence is built by evidence. A lot of people think they need the confidence to go and do the thing. It's not the right way. You need to do that thing you need to do first. And once you continue doing it, that's where you get the confidence. But you can wear confidence like an outfit. This is very much a fake it till you make it kind of thing. I was just going to say fake it till you make it. Absolutely. It's so true. I mean, it's, it's so funny. I was talking a couple of days ago to someone who she's a trainer and yeah, for businesses for, for like messaging and internal messaging and all that kind of stuff. And um, she's a former actress. And she, we were also talking a little bit about, about confidence. And she was talking very much about almost exactly the same concept of just decide to be confident, put it on. And sometimes even physically, right? Particularly like a tie, a shirt, a coat, a sweater, whatever it is, that's your confidence sweater, right? And then you put that on, it's like right now, I'm confident and off you go, right? And it's and it's so interesting that when um, I've got a, a, a friend of mine who lives in who lives in LA, who's a stand-up comedian, and when he's not on stage, he is the quietest, shyest person. I, he just sort of sits in the corner. You wouldn't know that this guy is like the funniest guy, right? And he just sits quietly and doesn't really talk to anybody, whatever. But when he gets on stage he just becomes this different person. And for him also, um, when he's off stage and he's not wearing this kind of cloak of, I'm now the Sandra comedian, he is very shy and lacking in confidence and socially confident. But when he's on stage and he has the mic stand protecting him from the audience, he just becomes this completely different person. It's fascinating. And why, from, from all of your kind of training in areas like NLP and, and other things, why do you think that, that we as people seem to struggle with things like that? Seem to struggle with confidence? Yeah. And and and, and why like, these kind of almost like artificial mechanisms seem to be the, the kind of band-aids that we need? Well, it's natural. It's human nature. And that mostly comes from the subconscious mind as well. The, the whole goal of the subconscious mind, which is very simple, by the way, is just to keep you safe. And to keep you comfortable. That's the whole thing. It wants you to be safe, warm, cozy. It does not want you to be uncomfortable. That's why it pushes you so hard in that comfort zone. It doesn't want you to do anything uncomfortable. And that's today translated into things like being embarrassed on stage and, and using your analogy here, being embarrassed on stage, that would cause pain. That would cause emotional pain. Subconscious mind does not want you to be in any pain at all. So it's going to say, it's going to give you fear because it doesn't want you to feel that pain. And unless you train it that, okay, that fear is actually causing me way more than that potential pain might. Until you really reprogram and rewire your brain that way, that fear is going to get in the way of what you have to do. And that goes no matter what you're doing in life, that fear is going to get in the way. So you have to get down to the bottom motion. Okay, this situation, this behavior is really irritating me. 
but what is the good intention behind it? Because I know that my mind has my best interest at heart. So what is my mind trying to do for me here positively? And how can I work through that? Right. So give me an example of like a, of a particular kind of breakthrough that you've had with a client. You know, what would you say has been your kind of biggest sort of personal success with a client where you've taken them from, you know, X to Y and that kind of biggest sort of transformation that you've seen? You know, what what's the potential that, that the people who may not necessarily have thought of engaging with a, a life coach might be able to expect? So much. Because <laughs> coaching will take you from wherever you are to your best possible situation. And I think what's interesting is people think that it just takes you through a certain process, point A to point B. And some people think, well, I want to be my best possible position before working with a coach so I can get even better. Or I'm pretty good now, but I'm not ready for a coach yet. A coach will take you from wherever you are to your best case scenario. And whether you're better than you are now is pretty irrelevant because we'll just get you there faster. I think what's important to know about working with a coach is that you absolutely don't need one. (laughs) Nobody needs a coach. You can absolutely do whatever you have your heart set to. I think, and, and also coaching tools are free online. If you can't afford a coach, don't make ever make that an excuse. Coaching tools are free online. If you're YouTube, there's so many resources, so many books you can look at. The idea of working with a coach is whatever you want to do, you're going to get there much faster. And you're going to overcome a lot of the things you probably didn't see in the way. And you're going to have someone holding your hand along the way. Once you make that investment, you're accountable now. You're truly invested. You have a cheerleader, but also someone there to nudge you when you're doing the things you said you wanted to do. Someone that's really going to hold you accountable for your goals. I think one of the biggest transformations, one of my clients, she more than doubled her sales within five weeks of working with me. And a lot of her, I didn't do any business advice on that call. I wasn't telling her how to make sales calls, how to reach out to people. I wasn't, those weren't my topics. I'm more of a mindset coach, but I don't, I think it's funny that a lot of people don't realize whether their mindset is setting them up for success or not. I'm sure you or I, you or I do. Again, we read a lot of the same books uh, and not everyone has that luxury of time to read as many books as I'm sure you both have. And so mindset, if you're blind to it, can be really working against you. I've got, so, a, I've got a poster. Well, it's not like one, like a kind of a plaque that's next to my bed. It's the first thing I see when I wake up in the morning. And it's one of these things that's got loads of words on it. And one of the things it says is, if you haven't got enough time to read, watch less television. Oh, of course. Oh, see, I forget people watch TV. I don't... <laughs> it leaves me very kind of behind on the stuff that people are watching on Netflix. And it's funny, actually. We, My family are Star Trek. Fam- uh, we're a Star Trek family. And so as a family, I've got three kids of varying ages. And so we were trying to find something that we could wholesomely watch, like together, right? So it's something that's suitable for my five-year-old, my 10-year-old, and my my 16-year-old. And so we watch Star Trek The Next Generation, because it's great, right? Anyway, my eldest decided he wanted to watch something just with mom and dad. And I've got like an hour or two that I've got spare, you know, over the course of a week. So I'm like, okay, fine. So we started watching Voyager, they, my wife and my son, were both stunned that I've never seen any of it because I've just not had the time to binge watch seven seasons of Star Trek. So, yeah, that and that's because I read. Yeah, I'm the same. I haven't seen most movies you would name. I've Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Star Trek. I haven't seen any of them. But I just signed a new client yesterday. And the first thing I did, and this, this is kind of funny, I love that I did it. I was like, so let's get to what we're going to do this week. How do you feel about breaking up? And I paused with Netflix and Hulu. <laughs> wow. I on the phone. She got so she thought I was going to ask her to break up with her boyfriend because she told me she spent a few hours on the phone with him on the weekend. So I made it so that she got really scared. I was going to say something horrible, like break up with your boyfriend. And I was like, no, it's just Netflix and Hulu. She was like, oh yeah, I can do that. 
if I phrase it another way, she would have been like, oh, I don't know if I want to delete it. But because I compared it to something so horrible, she's like, mm. easy. Yeah, I'll do that. There's no television. There's no space for it. And having that fear of missing out on conversation is really not a valid enough reason to be using your time in that way. There is no ROI on that whatsoever. If you want to relax, you need to do something where the right brain is satisfied. And unfortunately, TV won't do that because it's creative for you. I think the key to relaxing is you're using your left brain all the time for work, focusing, even reading is all left brain. You need to balance it out with the right brain. Things like going for walks, going painting, going to an art museum, listening to classical music that will revive you way more than an hour or two watching television. Absolutely. And also people that are successful are net producers. People that are not successful are net consumers. And if you spend three or four hours every night being a consumer of other people's entertainment, you're not producing anything. You're not producing thought. You're not producing anything either physical or you're not producing anything. You're not even producing ideas. All you're doing is sitting there consuming. And if you're a net consumer, you know, you're not, you're not contributing to your or anyone else's world and you're not going to be able to monetize that. You cannot monetize unless you do a podcast talking about a TV show. You can't monetize watching TV, you know? Okay, so, yeah. what, so what drives you? What motivates you? I made a very bold statement on your behalf about your goal by 2025 to empower 10 million people. So what, what motivates you? I mean, that, that sounds a very big goal. 10 million people is a lot of people. I see myself as a speaker and it's funny, you know, I believe in synchronicities, right? And sometimes I'll just randomly be sitting at a cafe and someone I've never met. For example, I'm in a new city. I'll tell you what happened to me last week. I'm in a new city, I'm at a brand new cafe I've never been to. I'm sitting down working from there. Some random person comes up to me, strikes up a conversation, says, can I sit with you? And I was like, yeah, okay. I've been working probably eight hours straight <laughs> without taking a break. So sure, we can talk. And then we ended up talking for over an hour. And then the conversation, he goes, I need you to do something. He's like, okay, what is it? He's like, I need you every day to visualize yourself on stage in front of thousands of people. Our conversation was nothing about this sort of stuff. So I was like, sorry, He's like, you're going to be an amazing speaker one day. And when I say it's random, I mean, we talked for an hour, but nothing about those kinds of topics. It really came from nowhere. And this happened to me again a month ago as well. I, it's just a calling. I, and I'm one of the happiest people I know. And the amount of messages I get every day from just these amazing people all around the world that I've either already met on my travels or just found me somehow on social media, just saying, thank you for posting this today. I really needed to hear that today. I love what you're doing. You inspire me so much. Those messages are what drives me. And if I can just multiply that impact, I, it would truly just make me one of the happiest people in the world. And that's really what I'm, what I'm following. Absolutely. That's fantastic. That really is. So what's next for you? What's uh, what's around the corner? What's uh, what's coming up in the coming next for Tiffany? Group coaching and online courses are coming next. Now, I've looked at kind of the patterns and trends on what the biggest challenges of my clients have been. My calendar is getting booked quick. I just had to open even more time slots now. So there's only so much time. The time I do have left now, I will be doing digital courses. And I think the first one's going to be calendar productivity. Counter productivity. Calendar productivity. Oh, I was going to say, I don't need a course in counter productivity. I'm very, very good at that. You could probably teach it. <laughs> okay, great stuff. So now, well, 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 good luck with that. That sounds great. And so if people wanted to find out more about you or wanted to engage with you, how can they go about doing that? You would either go to my website, coachtiffanytaylor.com, or find me on Instagram at same thing, coachtiffanytaylor. 
Okay, that's great stuff. Well, Tiffany, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. I've I've learned so much, not just about coaching, your own inspirational story, but some of the kind of key kind of take-homes that I'll know I'll be able to apply to my business. I'm sure other people will be able to apply to theirs. So thank you very, very much for coming on the conference room. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This is fun. Great stuff. Thank you. Coming up next week on the conference room, I'll be talking to work from home expert, Maya Middlemiss. Things like the trend to remote working, distributed teams, cloud adoption of software and practices that enabled all of that to take place. All this was bubbling along in the background. And so I think those trends were already in place, but companies' preparedness for it was hugely unevenly distributed. And a lot of that became painfully apparent when there was no alternative but to work from home. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you visit our website, theconferenceroompodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, plus links to the resources mentioned during the podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this, make sure you subscribe so that you're always the first to know when each episode is released. Also, please take the time to review the podcast so the more people who want to grow their businesses can find us. To talk about this or any other podcast, or in fact, anything business-related whatsoever, find me on Twitter, at Simon Lader, Or you can find me by searching for Simon Lader or Silesia Academy on Facebook or on LinkedIn. I'm always open to a conversation. Thanks for listening to The Conference Room. Until next time, keep talking.